Welcome to the Brains Magazine podcast, a podcast with in-depth interviews and conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, expert coaches, industry leaders, and international celebrities. Get exclusive insight into the world of business, mindset, leadership, and lifestyle with your host, Mark Sefton. want to welcome you to the next episode of the Brains Magazine podcast. And today we have Ken Pierce with us. Ken is a global psychologist. Ken, how are you? I am well, thank you. Amazing. And you've been a psychologist, is it, for the best part of 40 years? Just over 40 years, yep. 76 years of age. Wow. And do you ever get bored, Ken? Uh, no, I have no time to get bored. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think 40 years at anything is remarkable. Um, are you still hungry to, like, find out more? I mean, the brain is such a fascinating organ anyway. Um, mm-hmm. is, is it the fact that it's always evolving and definitely true that almost um, the more we, we know, the less we actually know? Is that kind of what's enabled well- you to stay in this for so long? I read years ago that if if we were conscious 24-7 our whole life, we might use about 15% of our brain's capacity. Mm. So I often thought of that, that there's uh, every day there's something I realize I don't know anything about, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, I'm always interested. I'm, my waiting room is full of uh, scientific American discovery, uh, not really psychology stuff. It's, mm. it's about all that I... I try and combine all the sciences because we all live inside all the sciences. We all live inside quantum mechanics. I mean, 85% of all businesses are based on some application of quantum mechanics. Mm. Families are based on quantum mechanics. In every marriage, there's an optimist and a pessimist, creates stability. Mm. Just It's beautiful. you know. So when you can see that and you have the privilege of sharing that with people, uh, I, I find it's very inspiring for me. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? This idea that we only use like 10% of our brain. What is the other 90% doing, Ken? And how do we wake that up? Well, I don't think we have to wake it up. I think uh, our natural environment is challenging us. There's so much we know that we don't know we know. Mm. I asked a client one time, I said, I said, how did you learn to dress that way? Did you take a course in university in that? Did your mom and dad sit down and say, you got to you know, put your shirt on and button these six buttons? And they said, well, no. See, I mean, 85% of all learning is unconscious. Mm. We talk about what you learn in schools and universities, but as you know, life is full of people who uh, don't have academic education, but they have wisdom way beyond uh, people with you know PhDs and stuff. So do you think it's more about where we position ourselves that then gives us uh, the greatest opportunity for growth? Because if you're saying, I don't know whether we really wake up our minds, but when we are kind of like open uh, and susceptible maybe to our environment, maybe it's in shifting our environment we have the the greatest lessons of growth. I I think that's exactly it. I think we learn. When people go on vacation, I notice they always go usually to some place in nature they go to the beach they go to the forest they go to the mountains and that's because they're going back to this universal system we call nature which is all balanced it's all symmetrical and synchronous 
in space and time. And that's what Einstein talked about. Mm. There's this missing in symmetry in our existence. It's everywhere. And it's even in our own lives. And when mm. I get the privilege of having that kind of discussion with people every day. Mm. I just this morning with a man who called me and said he's got he's in stage four cancer, mm. lung cancer. I said, really? That's very interesting. I said, do you want to do some work? He said, well, I don't know. What do you do? I said, well, I, I can help you be grateful for your life as it is, no matter what it is. Mm. He goes, really? I said, yeah. He said, think about that. I said, call me. I'd love to work with you. Mm. Now, Call or not, but that's the kind of work I have the privilege of doing with, with you know, literally thousands of people over my forty years. Amazing, amazing. It's very inspiring. Yeah, and it is such an exciting topic. Anyway, anything around the mind really, uh, yeah. I geek out as well. And I, you know, I'm not a psychologist, and certainly have. I'm only forty-one years old, so you've been doing psychology for the for the duration of like my whole life. Uh, which is quite humbling. So I really want to make sure that I get the best out of you, Ken, so that we can all we can all benefit. Um, you know, the mind is something that really can, I always think, can be our prisoner or it can be, our, you know, our greatest sense of freedom, right? And and we all have a choice uh, with with our mind in terms of if we if we if we change our thoughts, we can change our feelings. But how can we become better at controlling our thinking? Because a lot of a lot of our problems, I think, in society is our inability or, or not knowing or maybe not very good at controlling our things. So how do we become better at that? Uh, I, I use a lot of extremes to make learning points. So I, I frequently will say to uh, someone, uh, so you believe you're an alcoholic? Oh, yes. Yeah, I've been the one for 10 years. I say, oh, do you want to be cured now? Yes, I'd like to be cured right now. Tell me how. I say, okay, you're going to hire me. I'm going to shout at you 24-7. And you're going to sign a document that signed by five lawyers, witnessed by five lawyers, that says, whatever I do to you, I'm not responsible for legally. And I'm going to shout at you 24-7. And I have I have really two tools I can offer you. First tool is a large revolver. I'll blow your brains out if you take another drink. Because if your will to live is so strong, you'll stop drinking. Or I can give you $1,000 a minute for every minute you don't drink. Whatever your values are, will determine which of those you need to take control of your alcohol consumption. That's how powerful the human mind is. But we don't believe that. We get marketed with, well, we're all victims of something. But in nature, there's no victims of anything. Mm. They're victors over their past. I, I've worked with, let's say, thousands of people who experience trauma. And trauma is any significant loss as defined by the person. Everyone's been traumatized by something because we all lose things. We lose family, friends, money, you know, whatever. But I've never met a person who perceived they were traumatized who wasn't smarter and stronger in very specific ways that enabled them to be alive today. And when they uncover it, they move through the trauma and start appreciating the experience. Mm. Okay. And see, that's how the mind works because the mind's wired for survival. Mm. It's why to be a victor over the environment, which is always trying to kill us, basically. <laughs> so, you know, so we've got to always be alert and vigilant as we approach our life. Mm. And our mind is wired that way. That's why we our peripheral vision, we notice movement of any kind, because it could be dangerous to us. So we're wired that way biologically. So mm. we've all these mechanisms, many of which we don't even understand yet, 
to ensure our survival and well-being. And our mind is the conscious part of that brain that we're always that you know the people like me work with. And while we're doing this, I I I tell people I say, you're not going to change. You're probably married to someone. You notice they haven't changed after 10, 15 years. They're not going to change. What's going to change is you're going to open up your perception of yourself in the world. That's what changes. You broaden your perception of how you fit in the world. Mm, love that. And again, it, it's empowering, though, once we understand that that we can change our perception. We're not waiting on somebody else to to change. Well, I, I, my, my life purpose is quite simple. I empower myself by empowering others. That's it. Yeah. I like. get the privilege offering people ideas which they can accept or reject and i just i just ask them to explore them be skeptical mm. for them mm. and i observing them evolving their sense of self evolving their self-esteem self-worth self-confidence mm. amazing now you've been working in psychology as we said for over 40 years how how are you personally moving clinical psychology forward ken what what are you doing at the moment that's really like utilizing uh, and moving psychology forward well i my one of my goals is to raise the awareness in in psycho in clinical psychology of the need to incorporate more closely the other sciences the other hard sciences biology physics chemistry cosmology astronomy neurology because they're uncovering all kinds of stuff every day that helps will help us understand ourselves so my goal, and I do it one-on-one -on -one with clients, but I, I've written about oh, seven or eight books on the various applications of it, you know, but, you know, books don't really do much. I mean, they're just, they're, they're well-intentioned, you know, ways to get your ideas out, but they are, today, it's it's IT, right? It's it's all electronics. So um, that's why I'm doing this. I mean, I'm, 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 I want to, I guess I, I want to remind people, each human being has the same foot and hand and brain as Albert Einstein. Everybody has genius of some form. Society may not recognize it, but everyone's got a genius of some form. I, I've met carpenters that created these, you know, pieces of I call them art, but you know, they're geniuses. I got a mechanic. He sits on the hood of my car with his arms folded and he says, turn the car over, Ken. I get he goes, your timing chain's off. He just said, that's genius to me, you know, I mean, you know, it's what form do you have, you know, and, and see, everyone's a genius about themselves, about their purpose in life, about their values in life, their dreams in life. We're all geniuses about that. But mm. not many people ask, ask us to share it with them. Mm. You know, we get the chance of saying that. Mm. Which, which, so it's, it's that kind of dynamic that that's why I'm still working. I mean, I can't imagine doing anything else. I, I I tried the reading all the favorite books and laying on the beach and and going on vacations and and napping and all that and it's boring because my mind's not being used. So, and I think everyone's like that in a way. We're all kind of bored. That's why we follow all those, you know, things we call whatever you want to call them, sports and stuff and and you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, you know I, I I I tease a lot of people who are involved in in sports. I say, well, you know, it's like you know, the Martians version of golf, you know, these humans with bent sticks on a piece of green grass and they're chasing this white ball. And the bizarre part is the less you hit it, the better you are. That's illogical. Mm -hmm. It should be the more times you hit it, the better you are. Mm -hmm. But no, that's a 
sport. <laughs> you get all these kind of bizarre ideas that we're, I mean, we're such a fascinating species because we're so creative in how we survive. Mm. As you know, sports is about power, right? About being empowered. Yeah, I, look, I mean, I love sports. I love playing, love watching. Uh, it's very much a, a creative outlet. The thing that I, I think I really appreciate about it is just it's one of the few environments where I completely lose sight of everything else, but I am fully present. I'm away from my phone. The only thing that's really going through my brain is the actual game that I'm playing, which is one of the things what I really love about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I often describe this. I say there's three kinds of power. There's power over your body. There's power over your over objects like sports balls and things like that. And there's power to influence other people. And we all, you know, kind of play in those areas, right? Mm -hmm. They all serve. They all. And I, I, I'm I'm working right now with a 15 year old hockey player. He wants to be a, a billionaire. Not a millionaire, a billionaire. And he's serious. That's how he thinks. Very cool. Very, very wise kid. You know? Amazing. Yeah. Must be yeah. so rewarding, all these different like situations. You talked about somebody with a stage four cancer to, to a 50-year-old who wants to be a billionaire. Uh, some amazing stuff there. One thing I really wanted to ask you about, Ken, is uh, narcissism. Because it's something that I see a lot of. It seems to be very a hot topic uh cool. lots of people are talking about uh narcissists and you know if someone is attracting narcissists into their life uh <laughs> what what do they need to change about them their own behavior in order to stop attracting because this is something that seems to be quite common do you want, do you want the truth yeah okay everybody's narcissistic it's biology you are you and I are wired biologically to first survive and then reproduce its biology, which means everyone acts selfishly at all times and all places, regardless of who's who's doing it. It's biology. It's it's why we're such a successful species, because we can adapt and survive. So everyone's a narcissist. Now, when you accuse someone else of being a narcissist, we're really saying I'm not one. And yet that person. Uh, protected themselves that day, they ate breakfast, they got their rest, they went through, they took care of them. We're all narcissistic. It's, it's, it's uh, what's the word? It's actually, in my opinion, it's theology sneaking into psychology. Okay. It's a theological idea that, that it's bad to put yourself first. Yet biologically, we all must do that. If you don't take care of yourself, Mark, you won't be a a spouse, a father, a friend, a neighbor to anybody, you'll be dead. <laughs> so, but we all are narcissistic. So it's just a misuse of terminology. That's interesting, Ken. Um, would you say there's a difference, though, between being narcissistic and being a narcissist? Because sometimes I may, I may knock over a glass of water, and that doesn't mean that I'm clumsy, um, because it's something I did rather than who I am. Do you do you see that that well, maybe there is a a bit of a a gap there? Maybe maybe what we're what we're really talking about is is people that want to communicate with other people, and they're not sensitive to the other person's values. They think their values are more important than the other person, and mm -hmm. therefore they're perceived as narcissistic. They they put themselves first. 
Hmm. But any relationship, only the only successful relationships are the ones where the person honors their own values and shows respect for the other person's values. Hmm. And you can have a relationship. And you have to be aware of the other person's values, you know, often ask them what they are. Uh, it's like, uh, well, I've been married 50 years, 51 years next October. Congrats. I'm not happy yet. But I'm awful grateful. So I've got a woman who spent 50 years with me. We have three children, three grandchildren. But we're we're moving targets. And my my partner never asked permission for me, for her to change. She just does it expects me to adapt and I do the same thing to her so we, we we think that someone will put our values before theirs it's a fantasy they can't they can't mentally or biologically because they're wired to survive so if we want to have a relationship with someone we must protect our own values respect our own values but show respect for the highest values of our other person and then they'll they will spend time with us. Mm. See, that's the foundation. Of, I do a lot of couple work, mm. and it's, it's, it's you see it all the time. You know, mm. it, people say, "Well, I want you to put put my values before yours." They can't do that. Even are, are you a, are you a parent, Mark? I am. How many children you got? Three children, like you, Ken. How old are they? Uh, Sixteen, fourteen, and ten. Excellent. Okay, you got it. So you've watched those children grow up, right? Yep. And you, when they were born, they were saying, the, the world's my oyster, watch out, here I come, right? Here I come. <laughs> and then as they negotiated with the giants around them, remember, you each one of your children was born believing they could be anything, do anything, and have anything. We're all born with that will to live, that, that belief that we're a genius, right? Mm -hmm. I asked a three-year-old, I said to a three-year-old, I said, her name was uh, Sally, three and a half. I said, Sally, are you smart? Yep, I am. I said, are you really, really, really smart? She goes, yep. I said, could you be the boss of all of Canada? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And she believed it because it's true. She could learn to do that. Well, that's how we all start, right? That's mm -hmm. how we all start, believing that. And as we negotiate with the giants around us, we pick up their perceptions of us. And we spend the rest of our life dissolving those perceptions. So mm -hmm. I've learned that three-year-olds think like 83-year-olds. So 83-year-olds have rediscovered that they're okay. They're no better, no worse than anybody else. And their life has served them well because they're still here talking about it. Mm -hmm. that, that sense of wisdom and appreciation. Mm -hmm. So I'm grateful for my partner of 50 years. Mm -hmm. Happy usually means more pleasure than pain or all pleasure and no pain. And mm. they are, they don't exist in nature. They don't exist in your mind. It's just like if I ask you to stand up straight and put your arms out in balance, and you go, okay, I got it, two feet, okay. I say, now, move to one foot. And you move to one foot and you find a new balance. Your mind does the same thing. It's the same system. Mm. If I offered you $10,000 cash, walked up to you in the street, didn't know you, and said, here, hey, you're Mark, right? Here's $10,000 cash. I love you. <laughs> what you'd say? Yeah, you. Then you say, "What do you want?" <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. Does but that's how the mind works? The mind works that way. Mm. It's like the when they climb out of the auto collision. They go, "I'm alive," because they're alive, right? That's the other side.
Mm. That's what the mind does that because that's part of how we adapt and survive. That's how we retain our will to live to so many things that are traumas. Mm. And, and and that's why we're so adapt. That's why we're so we're the most successful species on the planet, as far as we can tell. Mm. Anywhere on the planet for periods of time, we can adapt to most things so far. We're now working on climate change, right? <laughs> so, you know, but we're so adaptable. Mm. That's in a sense our genius. And that's what I mean. I, I read. I got a couple of books by Einstein. He, he's a very wise guy. He, he didn't just talk physics, but he, you know, uh, he's got some. I read some great quotes I use sometimes with him. He's a cool guy. Anyway, but he was a very profound thinker about the bigger picture and how we fit in it. Mm. I work with now John D. Martini. He said that he, that's his perspective too. I, I did a, I did a, let me see, a three day course on the application of quantum mechanics to family life. In most people, that's not possible. It's very possible. Every family is balanced. Every family, I've got eight siblings, four brothers and four sisters. I got the multimillionaire living on the streets, religious addict, pagan, very responsible, very irresponsible. All these opposites are my family. And that's true of every family. Every mm -hmm. family is, is functionally dysfunctional because it allows everybody to learn mm -hmm. from each other how to deal with the real world. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, families are about setting boundaries. Mm -hmm. I can say things to my wife. If I said it to a, a neighbor, he'd sue me. Said mm -hmm. to a cop, he'd arrest me <laughs> in jail. But inside family, you can say stuff and learn the impact from people that give you the benefit of the doubt. Mm. And that, that prepares you for the real world where there's not those safety measures. Mm. Amazing. I know that you do great work as well with, with your clients where you help them learn about self-appreciation and, and self-control. How, how do you, how do you go about that in particular, Ken? How, how are you helping and assist your clients with learning self-appreciation, self-control? I had the privilege of working at a community college for 25 years, 14 of them in early childhood education. I learned more from preschool children than any adult so far, except maybe maybe one, because they, they're they born like your kids. They're born with no filters. Mm. They, they assume they're okay. They assume they're lovable. They assume they can manage anything. And that attitude is what, that's why we find kids so refreshing. Right. And so that dynamic, I, I keep taking people back to remember, remember when you were, remember, I remember your kid, like I did with you. I said, remember your kids? Remember when your, 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 your three children were toddlers trucking around often in diapers, you know, and, 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 but the world was, everything was exciting. Everything's interesting. They don't want to go to sleep because there's so much more to learn. Well, you can retain that attitude our entire life. Mm. I still experience that at 76. Hmm. You know, I was sick last night going there. I'll get interviewed with Mark tomorrow. I wonder what he's going to ask me, you know. Wow. And I you know that that's kind of honest, you know, that's how I view life. See, to me, every day on this side of the grass is a perfect day. It's perfectly balanced, pleasure and pain, 50-50. Hmm. And I found no exceptions so far. I'm looking every day. Mm. 
Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, wisdom coming from you, Ken, and also there's a lot of there's a lot of balance and calmness, which is kind of what you're talking about. This sweet spot of, you know, like you said, the pleasure and the pain, and and the two contrasts, and it's almost like the contrast of things gives credence to, I guess, the 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 benefit and depth of the other side, you know, of the coin that you can't really have pleasure without having having pain what i find so interesting mm. is that people already know this in their heart of hearts they're mm. not surprised mm. I, I said one time to a young man he'd be about 25 i said there's, there's a symmetry and a synchronicity to every second of your life mm. it's all i'll just go look for it it'll always be there and he came in one day to a session he says can i found an exception to the balance law I said, really, what is it? He said, he said, at the point of orgasm, it's only pleasure. I said, now, I said, go back to the last time and notice at that second, you knew it was going to end soon. That's the pain. He goes, got it. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, so, it is. Oh, that's the law. I had a, I had a client in my morning. She said to me, she said, Ken, I found an exception to the law. Child abuse is only bad. I said, think again now. I said, you live in Canada. We have some of the most sophisticated, polished, enforced child protection laws on the planet Earth. They're a model for some other countries. And every year, thousands of Canadian children are molested, hurt, abandoned, murdered, disenfranchised. And that's to keep us on our toes. So we're vigilant in monitoring and enforcing those laws. I said, that's the 50-50, because every day, or not every day, regularly we see on the news, Canadian children being and somehow you know disrespected. Mm. And she goes, I know that. I'm a teacher. I said, exactly. Of course you know that. You already knew that. You see it every day in your, in your job. Mm. She goes, yeah. You understand? So people know this already. Senior, the easiest people to... to I would say that these people to prove this to are little children and seniors. They mm. get it so fast because mm. they already both of them, mm. and seniors have been reminded of it. They mm. remind. So it's just a very different dynamic, and it and that's see that's the beauty of it. See, beauty is not positivity. Beauty is symmetry, is synchronicity. Those models, those uh, you know, high fashion models. Their eyebrows are exactly the same distance from the ground. And so are their ears. And so are their nostrils. It's balance we call beauty. Mm. It's balance. Mm. And we just don't notice that. We say, well, we're, and we play around with variations, but it always comes back. You know, the water, we, we sit on the shore and watch the tide come in and out because it's balancing back and forth. Mm. So there's, there's, Balance applications in every aspect of the seven areas of our life. Mm. Everyone. You just look and they're always there. Mm. Let's talk uh, very quickly about relationships with self, Ken, because I I've come to know that it's the most important is, is your relationship with self because you none of us can escape ourselves. We're literally with ourselves 24-7. You know, for you, it's been 24-7 for 76 years. And for me, it's been... 24-7 for 41. Now, what can we do to improve our relationship with self? Uh, first, <laughs> um, I'm going to offer you an idea, okay? 
people often say, I say, well, well, tell me who your who are your three closest friends? And they go, Well, John, Harry, and Mary. I go, Yeah, who's your best friend? Well, that'd be Mary. I said, No, it's not. I said, There's only one person on the planet Earth who shares your purpose and values and is your best friend. And you find that person in the mirror. Trust that person. Only take advice from that person. Never take advice from hired suits like me, because we don't have your values. Your best friend knows your values, knows your dreams, knows your purpose. That entity, which has been with you since you were conceived, is your best friend. Listen to that person. And they go, really? I said, people call it following your heart. They call it following your inner child. They call it following your conscience. I don't care what they call it. But it's really that part of you that's wired for your survival. It's your best friend. And, and so your body and your mind are sending you information, feedback all the time to what you need to do to survive. That's what pain is for. No one's stress-free or pain-free. That's a fantasy. It, pain and stress means we're alive. It's managing our pain, managing our stress. That's always the challenge. Mm -hmm. So our our best friend or our, that, that, that sense of self that we have inside, that's who we need to respect and listen to. I, I give <laughs> I collect rocks on the beach. PI the PI is an island. You know, it's just, it's basically a sandbar around the edges. In the middle, there's 28 golf courses and potato fields. That's it. And a million tourists come every summer. So it's kind of a, a kind of a resort mentality. Anyway, so point I'm making is that this place is is a is just a haven for all kinds of left and right wing ideologies so we have we have centers with full of buddhists we have uh, uh rednecks we have republic you know not but in candidates liberals and tories and everything in between right anyway so i collect rocks off the beach and i i when i when i offer this idea to a client i say i want you to take a rock pick a rock out i have a jar a glass jar full of these pebbles they pick a rock i say okay i want you to put that somewhere in your personal space that you'll be able to see it every day for the rest of your life to remind you that you have a purpose in being here. And let's uncover the purpose. So I have a tool for that. Help them uncover, you know, I, I like four to five words. What is their purpose? See, my purpose is two words. It explains all my past, my present, my future. It explains everything to me. It makes no sense to anybody else, but it makes perfect sense to me because it explains every decision I've ever made. When you know your life, because we, we're the only species that can be conscious of our consciousness. We think about thinking. Therefore, we can be conscious of our purpose. You have, a, you have a pet dog or cat. They're on purpose unconsciously. Humans can be on purpose consciously. And every human is on purpose unconsciously all the time. Mm. But most never raise their awareness to say, well, what is it? Can I put words around it? Mm. Can, I help, can I use it to understand who I am and where I'm going? Mm. Where I came, from, why mm. am I here, and mm. who am I? Mm. Right. Mm. Well, that's that's what that's about. Mm. Once you understand your life purpose, see, because we're all members of the human species, which means we're all here to serve humanity in some way unique to us. Mm -hmm. I have the privilege to be able to uncover that, and I offer that opportunity to other people if they want to spend the time. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. Ken, what are those two words? You kind of left us on a cliffhanger there and never never said what your two words were. 
<laughs> so give me tell me the question again. <laughs> you 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 you, uh, you said that you had two words that wouldn't mean anything to anybody else but to you. Oh yeah, mine. Oh, I'll give you a little context quickly. I'm one of nine children. I was the sickly one in the middle of the pack. I was the the runt in the litter that probably should have been disposed of, but I wasn't. They kept me around. So <laughs> I thought I had I have four brothers and four sisters that did well in school, you know, played sports, right? Healthy, never missed school. I was sitting home with asthma, eczema, allergies, all the kind of stuff. So I decided I was imperfect. I, I, I thought for many years as a kid, I was adopted. I was just so different than my siblings. So I assumed I was imperfect. So I studied perfection. I studied the martial arts, art, children, you know, all this stuff. And they said, oh, I'm going to study psychology and fix people. <laughs> right? I'll make them perfect. More I get into it, more I realize they already are perfect. They don't need fixing. People just are challenged to raise their awareness of the perfection and beauty of their life and of who they are. Mm. And we have so many systems and influences trying to see otherwise. So my purpose is to honor perfection. Love it. Honor perfection. That's all I do. Love it. Love that. Ken, how do people find out more about you uh, as we bring this to to a conclusion? And if there's anything burning that you want to say that we haven't said, now's your chance. Um, what if, what if every human being can learn anything they need to learn to manage their life? What if that's true? Because that's how the brain is wired. That's how the mind is wired. The body is wired. We have this you know, phenomenal capacity to adapt. And most people don't believe it because they've been in, they've been buying into other people's perceptions of themselves. So what if everyone is a genius, just like Einstein, mm. just a different form, that's all, in different ways. And what if you could learn that at any age? Mm. It, doesn't matter about your age. it doesn't matter about anything except your willingness to learn. What if that's possible? Because that's been my experience. Mm. You know? um, and, and, I, and the beauty of it is when, when you say to a, at least when you say to little kids, you know, like, like Sally, are you a genius? Oh, yeah. Could you learn anything? Be anything? Do anything you wanted? Oh, yeah. And it's not arrogance. It's, it's a, a, a value of self, right? Mm. Yeah. So, I mean... I, mean, I, I had the privilege years ago. I used to direct a daycare center with 42 children in it from six weeks to six years, all single moms. I spent three years there and I learned so much. All the stuff. I mean, just with so many things I was learning simultaneously while I was doing the books and hiring staff and, and playing with kids and rubbing their head during nap time and all that stuff. There's just there's so much that we learn that we don't realize we've learned. That's yeah. what's so cool. That is cool. And then how, how do people find out about you, Ken? Where do they go to find out more about you and your work? Um, I have two websites. The Pierce Institute of Psychology Incorporated is um, is uh, where I, my business. And uh, KenPiercePsychologist.com is my uh, my website. And the other one is ThePierceInstitute.com. P-I-E-R-C-E. Not, not the other way you can spell it. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Ken, it's been great to have you. I've really enjoyed your your wisdom and your, you're a great storyteller as well. That's a, a massive strength uh, of yours, just really enjoyable. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you for making the time to spend and let me annoy you. I really, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Ken. All right, take care. Thank you for joining this episode with me, Max Sefton. I hope you've really enjoyed it. Feel free to leave us a positive review on iTunes. And I look forward to welcoming you back to the next episode of the Brains Magazine podcast. <laughs>